Hi guys, this is Laura with the trigger warnings for this episode of Red and Rainbow. Um, so we are putting trigger warnings on for mentions of rape, child abuse, attempted murder of children, um, discussion of alcohol consumption, and racism. So please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. Atticus was feeble. He was nearly 50. When Gemma and I asked him why he was so old, he said he got started late, which we felt reflected upon his abilities and manliness. Hey look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. mentally present and ready yeah definitely in our best state of mind to be operating heavy machinery and a whole podcast who yeah, allowed better this be because guess what it's our month yeah yay aapi Woo! boy Woo-hoo. i don't know what i thought our month would be like but i definitely didn't think <laughs> it would be like this you know this feels like a mercury and gatorade month i know i do feel chaos yeah. I think Mercury well, is back in retrograde. I, I've it been is? seeing okay. a lot of... Uh, yeah, memes and stuff. A lot of, yeah, just mostly memes about it. Um, right. I will say, I guess, personally speaking, I, yeah. I haven't had too much go wrong. Knock on freaking wood. Uh, it's just everything's happening. I'm moving. I'll be moving out of the Midwest into the eastern seaboard. That's wild. It's going to be fun and stuff, but all this other stuff is happening, and I'm just tired. Yeah. Like I had one free night this week where I gave myself a pass on not packing stuff into boxes, and I didn't know what to do with it that time. <laughs> I was like, well... You're like, this is... It's precious. It shan't be squandered. And then you're like, I'm not doing anything. I was like, I guess I'll go to bed. <laughs> How are you doing for the pod? For posterity. For posterity and podsterity. Oh! Podsterity We're going to use that now. Oh, I'm yeah. using that forever now. Um, Hell Yeah. I'm fine. I think it's also just, like, nothing has really gone wrong. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's the end of the semester, so you know it's a rush. But also, like, this semester, I feel like I, it's semester for students, but also just, like, this from January to whatever, Mm -hmm. to where we are now. Like, it seems like it was rough on everyone. Yeah. And and just that we were all experiencing some sort of burnout or, like, fatigue. Yeah, I bet. Like, whether it's schoolwork or whatever. And I was like, so I think we're all just ready for everything to be over. And I'm super yeah. ready for that, but I'm, like, way too ready to be in that space because, mm-hmm. uh, like, based on where I am with work because I still have many things to do. Yeah. But I will say, mm-hmm. yesterday I went to a party. I drank so much. Oh, my God. I okay. was just, like... Oh, because, water, right? Just kidding. Yeah, I drink all water. Like, I... Let me tell you my drink count, okay? Before we get there, I had a beer. Then we get there, and I have a Gatorade with two shots of vodka in it. I have another beer and then I have a, where it's being hosted at a friend's party and he made Bloody Marys. So I have a Bloody Mary and then I have mm. another beer and then I have, and I start mixing everything. And then I have a glass Ugh. of wine and then I have some champagne and then I have an old fashioned and then, uh, <laughs> uh and then, <laughs> Apparently, after I had the old fat, I were eight drinks in, oh motherfucker. My God. That's so many different things. I know. And then at that point, 
I blacked out. I don't know what happened. But then my friend told me, he was like, yeah, and then you had a shot of vodka. Maybe another shot of vodka? Yeah, we didn't didn't see you. We don't know. And then a beer. Okay. So we're at 11 drinks. And I'm like, I am surprised how the night turned out because I did ask. I was like, did I cry? Did I run away? Did I pee myself? And he's like, no, you were good. I was like, oh, wow. By the grace of God. Yeah. Because on my 21st birthday, I also went ham. Yeah. And this was just, and that was a mess. Like, mm-hmm. by the end of the night, I was weeping. Yeah. My family was like, we've never seen you like this. And I was like, ah! Like, this <laughs> oh time, God. I was good. So I just got to okay. say, I don't know what that was. Man. Well, I'm glad you're okay. So you know. Man. Um, yeah, it sounds like you really put your liver through the ringer, so. Fucking drinking champ. Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, I'm oh done. I'm done bragging about my alcoholism. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm sure you're drinking your hydration. I'm drinking coffee as well. Great, with a banana on the Hashtag mug. bananas. Banana! Like us. I don't like that bananas have been claimed by the minion community. That kind of pisses I me off. I know. I'm like... Especially during May, our month. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. It's rude. Like, it's rude. stop taking my joke about my racial ethnicity and making it into a minions meme, okay? Yeah, that's my cultural identity, though. Yeah, so, for real. Back off. Okay. okay. Uh, speaking of none of the things that we discussed, because there's no good segue into that. Um, no. This month, the book that we read. What was it, Laura? To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. The timeless classic of growing up and the human dignity that unites us all. That is written in cursive on this book wow. cover. That, yeah. what a title. Did you have to read this in high school or middle school? Um, I actually never did. However, okay. I have already read this because for oh. whatever reason, I have listened to this audiobook, like as an audiobook, two other times. Wow. This would have, this will be my third, just by my own accord. Like, I was just like, mm-hmm. I think it was because I heard so many people talking about it, so it's not my first radio. Laura, gotcha. what about you? Yeah, I had to read it, read it freshman year with um, my one of my iconic, every single teacher I've had in English has been iconic. Um, yeah. And I remember loving it. I remember really, really digging it. But I never picked it up since, so when we read it for this podcast, I didn't remember the plot at all. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't really remember what this is. I know it's about racism. Even though this is my third time round, I gotta say, mm-hmm. I like, in a literary sense, sits middle of the road. Like, I don't really know what to make of it. I don't think it's a, I'm skipping way ahead, but like, I don't think it's a horrible book. I also uh-huh. don't think it's like so profound to me. Yeah. So I have mixed feelings. For but, sure. I am excited to get to that. Yeah, speaking of it not being the worst book in the world, I will say I have my book fact, and I will share it. In 2006, British librarians ranked the book ahead of the Bible as one, (laughs) quote, every adult should read before they die. So, I mean, that's a lot of hype. Wow. I don't, first of all, I don't think anyone needs to read the Bible before they die. Sorry to get a little uh, (laughs) little religious on you. Hit me with that author fact that I know you already had. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I did know this in my research because it's, it's all connected, um, is that she was childhood friends with Truman Capote, uh, another um, author, and he is the basis for Dill in the book. Oh. That's from Wikipedia. A- A.K.A. Scouts. Uh, 
Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah. I see you, Harper um, Lee. Have you heard of the sequel to this book, Ghost of Watchmen? No. I learned that Ghost of Watchmen is not, in fact, was not, in fact, intended to be a sequel. It was just an earlier draft of To, Con- to Kill a Mockingbird. Oh. But they marketed it as a sequel. So that, so everybody who are fans are like, that's suspicious. What are you trying to do here? Um, so that's pretty weird. What do you think? They're tr- like, what's the conspiracy? It's my interpretation? Yeah. With, with really knowing no facts about this. Yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's probably a marketing ploy. Yeah. They're probably just exploiting. They're like, can we sell this and get yeah. more money? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Freaking. Um, and I don't remember, I don't remember the timing or anything, but um, I guess they could have been trying to be woke, but I don't think, I don't think. I wouldn't be surprised if they weren't trying to, if being woke yeah. was not on their mind. Yeah, if that wasn't their first priority. Well, they're like in a business meeting and they're like, all right, the quarterlies, you know, like the numbers, yep. blah, blah, blah. And our wokeness scale, guys, Ugh. not impressed. What do we do? We're slipping. <laughs> We're slipping in we, the numbers. We've, I've, I've ran the numbers. I've ran the numbers. The, shit, so. the spreadsheets don't lie. <laughs> yeah. We, and woke is bottom of the barrel right now. So. Yeah. So step it up. Well, that being said. Uh, so now we know a lot about this book. Yeah, but not enough, because I'm about to read you the Goodreads blurb. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. (coughs) (laughs) To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. The unforgettable novel of a childhood in a sleepy southern town and the crisis of conscience that rocked it. To Kill a Mockingbird became both an instant bestseller and a critical success when it was first published in 1960. All right, I'm just going to say right now, this is... Facts, this is not what the book is about. Okay. It went on to win the Pulitzer Prize in 1961 and was later made into an Academy Award-winning film, also a classic. I ain't never seen that film, so really it's not that much of a classic. All right. <clears throat> Compassionate, dramatic, and deeply moving, To Kill a Mockingbird takes readers to the roots of human behavior, to innocence and experience, kindness and cruelty, love and hatred, humor and pathos. Now with over 18 million copies in print and translated into 40 languages, this regional story by a young Alabama woman claims universal appeal. Harper Lee always considered her book to be a simple love story. Today, it is regarded as a masterpiece of American literature. And the worst blurb ever. What? What? I hate... First of all, the first sentence, unforgettable. Sorry, I did forget it. Yeah, uh, excuse me. Also, not... A freaking, uh, so they didn't really tell you anything, so we're actually gonna, first of all, also, they said a simple love story. I have many questions, I think. Where is it? What? If it's a different kind of love, if it, if they're saying the non, if they're talking about just general love and compassion, yeah, I'll make a case for that. I'm, with this wording, I'm a little hesitant, but Laura, how about we actually get a legit summary from you? Sure. Yeah, I actually read it ahead of time. Oh my gosh. Go around, yeah. And it probably won't take 10 minutes like the last one. Um, All right, so Scout and Jem, they're two kids. They're four years apart, and I think she starts as like four or five, uh, and it follows them through a couple years, living in Bacon County in Alabama in the 1930s. Their father, Atticus Finch, is a lawyer, um, so he's kind of a hotshot. So they spent their childhood running around, playing, reading. They both read a lot. And they make a friend with their neighbor's something or other, Dill, uh, who only comes during the summers. Uh, I so, think they're, he's like their cousin or something. They're like somehow 
Well, because there's a whole scene where they talk about how, like... They're yeah, all related. Yeah, they're just like... They're all related. They're like, the Finches have always kept it close to the family. And you're like, eh, all right, cool dude. All righty. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, so then they become um, this dynamic trio. And early on, they become enthralled with Boo Radley. So, Boo Radley is kind of this, like, town legend. They The Radleys live in this house down the lane, and Boo Radley... Something happened, and he never, ever comes out. And his name's not actually Boo, but that's what they call him. So... They um, kind of become enthralled with the mystery of it all. They play a lot of games that, like, enact the drama that they believe happened. And they try to play a lot of pranks to, like, get him to come out of the house. Um, so they get in trouble a lot because their dad doesn't want them to do this. But they, I don't know. Because they're, like, basically terrorizing this man. And they're like, yeah, they're terrorizing this poor person. But honestly, so, that does sound very, uh, that's, I feel like that's what kids would do in a small town. Yeah, kids would do that, and I think the parents had a natural reaction. It's very, um, it's not unexpected, I don't think. But um, time kind of passes, and they kind of forget it. Brew Radley goes to the background. Um, and there's a lot, of, it tells a lot of different events. There's things like, the, there's a fire in the neighborhood. There's a dog with rabies walking down the street. There um, is a sick old lady that they are charged with helping with in her, one of her last months of life. Uh, their aunt comes to live with them. But then the events start to kind of be overshadowed by this drama in the town because Atticus, as a lawyer, has been charged with the defense case of Tom Robinson, who is a black man um, who was accused of ripping a white woman. And so he is on the defense. So the two kids are bullied a lot by, like, peers and other people in the town. And even the family says, like, um, that Atticus should not be doing this. And it all comes to a head with the trial. So um, Scout, Jem, and Dill, they're all at the courthouse. Atticus defends Tom um, by pointing out a lot of the inconsistencies in the testimonies and like all the legal inconsistencies so that was pretty cool to see however tom is still found guilty um but in the process atticus humiliated the prosecuting peoples um who were the yules and so the yule guy i think it's robert yule um or roger he kind of vows revenge on atticus so and atticus is kind of like whatever he'll do his worst however um the Yule, he goes after Atticus's kids. So, like, yeah. one night they're walking home from a school play, and he tries to stab them. Um, so there's, like, a bit of a fight. Jem breaks his arm, and then... But <laughs> Scout is in a ham I know, dude, that was my favorite so, part. She doesn't know what's happening, but she's also, like, saved because he can't stab her from the costume. <laughs> but this also um, causes Boo Bradley to leave his house and come to the fence of the kids. It's really unclear what he actually, like, achieves when he's there, but he takes them home. He, like, carries Jem with him. Yeah. Um, so... And the story ends with Scout having met Boo Radley. She, like, treats him very courteously as a guest. And the sheriff guy, whose name is Hectate. Um, Hectate? He... <laughs> I kind of like that. It like, sounds like a shape. Hectagon. Know, right? Oh, yeah. Or Hecate, like the goddess. Uh, so, but he's convincing Atticus, like, yeah, you all fell in his knife. And Atticus is like, no, Jen stabbed him. And he's like, no, he fell in his knife. That's it. Good night. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was interesting. The dad was just like, listen, I'm pretty sure my son murdered that guy and I have to send the <laughs> kid to jail. And everyone's like, literally, no. No one will believe no. that. No one wants to believe that. And that's probably not true. And I Atticus just, is like, sorry, Murphy's Law. And you're like, no, dude. I just dude. immediately have a lot of questions. So can we do the little theme song thing and move over there quick? Yes. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, yeah, so one of my media questions is why is he so sure 
that Jem stabbed this guy. Like, no, at, for one thing, at no point does anybody question what Boo Radley did, because I think he could have also stabbed this guy. But no, Atticus is very much like, oh no, there's going to be a trial, Jem's going to be tried, and Heck is saying like no i think he found his knife and atticus is like no he can't escape the law i don't want him I, thinking he can get away with murder <laughs> i yeah i just love that like he is so out of he's like they're like it literally could be any other of these other options he's like yeah but what about the what about the zero 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 point zero 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 nine percent chance that my son is a murderer that this middle schooler <laughs> or even that he acted out of self-defense i'm just like atticus I know you're trying to play devil's advocate and, like, protect all people, but, like, that's your own son. And also, like, literally no one's asking you to do this. Also, I'm like, no one was there, and Boo's not really speaking at this point. So I'm like, you don't know anything <laughs> besides a stabbed man and a boy with a broken arm and your child who's in a mangled ham costume. The ham costume really gets me, because I imagine in my head <laughs> it's made out of chicken wire and then just covered yes. in fabric. Yeah. And she just... <laughs> Yeah, I think, okay, this ham costume is so, first of all, describing this play is so elaborate because it's like all of the town of pride, like eh, all these kids are in costumes, and she spends so much time describing Scout's costume and how, yeah, they instructed it and they painted it. So mm -hmm. she talks about how her brother steered her like by the hawk bone or whatever that thing is mm -hmm. called, and how like he was like, yeah, I can see your like meat streaks in your costume Ugh. in the dark, and I was just like, why? You're like, that sounds nasty. Why do you need this level of detail? It's ridiculous, but it saved her life. That was okay. We did watch the movie in class, and that was okay. a moment that like everybody laughed because she is she is running the child inside of a hand costume. This is something that makes less sense the more you interrogate it. This book. I'll start out just with my questions. Okay, so one of the things you mentioned was the rabid dog, and when yes. I was listening to it, the isn't the rabid dog's name Tim Johnson? Yeah. I thought that was so funny because I was I like a full thinking, name. I know, it was like full name. So then I was like, at first I was like, are they saying that there's a man outside who got bit by a rabid dog and now he's rabid and his name is Tim Johnson? But that's the name of the <laughs> pet. And so then I think I was, it reminded me of this meme where it was like, it's funnier with dog names if they have full sentence names and then like cat names if they're just like random words. And so I yeah. think one of them was like, yeah, this is my dog, Henry Rutherford, and this is my cat, Beef Stroganoff. Like, <laughs> if I have a cat, I'm naming it Oregano. If I have a cat, if I get another cat, I'm going to name him Pooh. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a word. I'm going to name him. <laughs> I'm going to name him um, Peach Cobbler. Poof of Prouse, because I had a dream one time that wow. I had a cat named that. So if yeah, I have a cool. dog, I would name it. Oh, well, I would. I already know if I get a dog, it's going to be a pug, and I'm going to name him Paulson. After so. Gary Paulson? <laughs> yes. <fashion>. Yes. <laughs> after that. No, it's because one time Annika had a dream that we had a pug named Paulson. So I'm like, wow, oh. you guys have so many dreams to inform you of names. I know. I we're just really I've never considered our... a dog name because I don't. And I don't plan on having a dog, but if I did, let me think. I would have to meet the dog for sure. Yeah. Whereas I know my cat is an oregano. <laughs> You're like, I don't need to meet oregano for, for it to be oregano. Yeah. If I have two, it's oregano and tarragon. And that's that. Um. Okay. Auntie Alexandra. Um. She moves in because, in her opinion, Scout is not learning how to be a lady from Atticus, and he's raising his kids wrong, and blah 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 blah. Um, so she moves in with them to have more of a feminine influence in the house. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering whether you think there was any benefit to having the aunt there. I did not find that she 
did influence the kids too much. Um, Scout didn't like her right off the bat because um, the aunt didn't want her to wear overalls and Scout was like, no. Yeah, I think to me, um, it seemed like a, the structure of, of this story, I think, is very reminiscent of like old timey movies. Sure. Where it's like you have this main character, but really you're just being introduced to the town. And so you have yeah. this one character having these moments with like, each person. So with Aunt Alexandra, of course, like she comes in and she's an obstacle. And then we learn more about her, like Scout learns more about her and they find common ground. So I think there's one scene where they find common ground. And it's when she, Aunt Alexandra has like ladies over for lunch or yes. something. And Kyle Pernia, their maid, leaves and like because... Spoiler alert, Tom Robinson has died. So, like, the family's yes. freaking out, but then that's where you get her, like, redeeming. Like, this is the moment where, like, Scout and Aunt Aunt Alexandra, like, see eye to eye or find common ground. And it was, like, mm-hmm. showing how Aunt Alexandra does care, but she also knows how to save face. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that there's a certain aspect that's also important to that, where she is. Sure. Here are the sneaky ways of, like, being a woman mm-hmm. in society. And, like, I don't know. I, there was, in that moment, I don't know how to describe it but i did kind of like have a respect for aunt alexandra where she's like yeah and this is how you like move up this is how you continue on when something like mm-hmm. this is happening when crisis her- hits i don't know okay because earlier in the narrative um so yeah and and i same thing i'm like aunt aunt auntie whatever her name is alexandra um she did, was you know disapproving of scouts tomboyish ways and um when she learned, so Calpurnia had taken Scout, and we're going to talk about Calpurnia, as you mentioned, their housekeeper maid. So she had taken Jem and Scout to her church, so like the black church, um, and Aunt Alexandra was like really mad, and she was trying to get Atticus to convince, like trying to convince Atticus that they didn't need Calpurnia anymore mm-hmm. because she was there. And Aunt Alexandra was one of those people telling Atticus that he was doing wrong by defending Tom Robinson. So there's like some antagonist like points there. But as you mentioned, yeah, Scout finds, I think, learns a lot about how anti-Alexandra can have compassion. Um, when the other people were talking about, like, were starting to say negative things about others, she could, like, she stepped in and kind of, like, distracted them or, like, yeah. redirected them. Scout did find power and femininity. And it was funny because at the end when Scout, Scout has run in and she's she's got the bangled, like, <laughs> ham costume. Anti-Alexandra, she brings her clothes and Scout's like, I don't think she realized she brought me my overalls and not a yeah. dress. <laughs> okay, next question. Yeah, what's up? What's the next one? Um, okay, do you think... Did Jem get more attention as a character in this book than Scout did? Um, so Jem is four years older, so he hits, like, puberty, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he gets... It says in there, he's he's difficult to live with as a 12-year-old. <laughs> he's inconsistent. He's moody. He eats all the time. And everybody tells Scout, just leave him alone. Or, like, you, you gotta give him his face. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> like, you need to teach him not to be snippy to his sister. I didn't think that he got more attention to me... All, every time that it was, like, talking about Jem, it was through the lens of Scout, mm-hmm. and it's because, like, she does really look up to her older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I really interpret it as him getting, like, more page time or something. Sure. I had a sense of, like, unfairness, and that is, like, my inner child. I don't know if that's how it works, but um, in that, oh, yeah. yeah, when he was being, like, snippy and rude to her, everybody else was like, well, you have to let him be. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> you do not. Bug that man no. to death. <laughs> Where, yeah, he would just be rude. But I'm like, that's also kind of siblings. Like, you can just be rude to each other sometimes. Um, yeah. But also, he is older, so he was hitting some, like, more significant milestones sooner than her. So Yeah, well, I mean, but I will say, like, throughout the book, 
I think there are a lot of times when, yeah, people try uh, are condescending towards uh, Scout or underestimate her because she's younger, which I don't small think child. is... Small child. Yeah, <laughs> hey, small child, this is adult. This yeah. is adult stuff. You know, like, I don't know if you can handle this. I saw it more as just, like, coming from a place of compassion, which doesn't mean that it's mm-hmm. okay or that it should have, that I support it for happening, but it seemed pretty natural. I don't know. They're talking about a lot of heavy stuff, and they're just like... Mm-hmm. One, one of the points is... The two kids are continually getting teased because mm-hmm. Atticus is defending a black man, and yeah. they use the N word. And yeah, I I did like how they approached the subject of just like when Scout talks to Atticus and is like, "Hey, they're saying all this stuff about you," and I think Atticus says something like, "It's only like a insult if you let it be, but like mm-hmm. it's true what they're saying. Like I am defending a black person, and I do yeah. like black people. Like." And I do care about them, you know. I, I think, and maybe this is because it's we're looking at the book through the lens of Scout, mm-hmm. but Atticus does seem, like, larger-than-life, flawless yeah. character. Like, even when he makes mistakes, it doesn't seem like he's making mistakes. I think that's because we're looking at it through the lens of his kid. Mm-hmm. But he was just, like, so wholesome and, like, omnipotent yeah. all the time. Okay, yeah, so I was going to say, what are some pros and cons of, like, Atticus's parentship? And what was the significance of Boo Radley? What do you think he symbolized slash what's his deal? Okay, I think with Atticus, like like I said, he seems like this, to me, like very amazing figure of like, let me yeah. show you the light. He seems like a compassionate person who also doesn't outrightly perform acts of racism and like violence mm-hmm. against black people. Like, you know, of course he is like a white man, so I'm sure as everyone is guilty of, has probably done, like, microaggressions mm-hmm. and shit. I don't, so I have a... I, I think it's all pros, but because it's mm-hmm. all pros, that's my con. I'm like, it's a little too good to be true. I mm-hmm. need this man to be a little flawed, other than accusing sure. his son of murder, even though he didn't murder anyone. <laughs> that's his only one. And even that, I'm just like, all right. That was a sure. weird thing to tack on. So that's why I think about that. Yeah. With Boo Radley, again, I think it... And I'll talk about this in the judgments, but, like, the structure of this book... I think Boo Radley is just like another character for Scout and these kids to learn that things are not as they uh, seem to be or appear to be. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, you were afraid of this character, this larger than life person, or this person who's been deemed by society as an outcast or like a scary, Mm -hmm. dangerous person. And then they learn that, oh, he's human. He like, he's a real human being. Mm -hmm. I think I'm like, book wise, I can't think of an example, but if you watch the movie like Home Alone, like the neighbor, Mm-hmm. The old man neighbor who everyone is just like, I'm afraid of him. And at the very end, he has this redeeming thing. He like saves a kid. And I think mm-hmm. that goes to show that's supposed to teach kids just because someone's villainized does not mean that they're the villain. Mm-hmm. And they also do that in the movie Pollyanna, mm-hmm. which I think is a really good example. Again, movie. It's also a book, but I've never read the book. But mm-hmm. Pollyanna is also about like a girl comes into town. She has all these it, like like little vignettes of yeah. meeting people in the town. So you learn more about her character, she learns something from the interaction, you learn about the town, and then you mm-hmm. also have this like mini story, you, you meet a new character. So, mm-hmm. that, nice. What do you, what do you, what about you? What do you think? Nice. Uh, for Boo Radley, I really like what you said about how the kids are learning that things are not what they seem. I think that is one of like Scout's major journeys is learning there's all like there's always something going on with other people and like learning that compassion. To tack onto that and it also mm-hmm. ties into like Atticus's parenting, like you have Mrs. DeBose, and mm-hmm. she's like this old, old lady who is just, like, your typical, like, old crotchety person yeah. who yells at the kids all the time, who, like, insults their dad all the time and is, like... Uh, so, uh, Atticus was married and then the wife dies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, like, if your mom was still alive, she'd treat you 
like you'd be raised correctly like your father lets you run amok blah blah blah. and like anything you say to her she's gonna just yell at you so it doesn't matter yeah um you have this horrible character and even then you have Atticus come in and turn the other cheek and then show them show his kids like we treat people with compassion no matter what because mm-hmm. she's sick. Cause, awesome. uh, yeah, later on you re- like you learn the redeeming quality because she dies, and then he's like, yeah. oh, she was really sick. The reason why she was so crotchy. I don't think I even needed that. I think you could have just gone with, like, sure. just treat her with kindness. She doesn't even have to be sick. She can just be, like, a total, sorry, but a B-word. Pretty. That's a pretty common theme is, yeah, then learning that there's more to the story. There's more going on. Um, and they should approach things with a more open mind. Um, in terms of Atticus's parenting, I do, I think that, yeah, he's teaching them very good lessons that, like, not other kids do. Um, he always, yeah, like, approaches things logically as a lawyer, and Scott brings that up a lot because she's, like, you can't really win an argument with him, but she also knows all these legal terms and yeah. all these, um, interrogation techniques. Helps her think critically. cross-examination techniques, um, that he uses in the trial. He is compassionate, but I do think he lacks some empathy for Scout being a child, because mm-hmm. there's so many times when she's frustrated. She's frustrated with her teacher because her teacher doesn't like that Scout can read and, like, doesn't let her do all the stuff that she's capable of doing in class. Um, and then Atticus is like, well, she's, you know, she's an outsider. She's, like, a new teacher. She came from blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is all true, but Scout, like, is five. <laughs> and Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> That's not going to help her feel better. <laughs> yeah, I think... He kind of skips over anything that they feel and says, like, well, this is what the situation is. You got to deal with it. Well, he's, yeah, he, like, skips over, like, acknowledging the big emotion and goes straight to, like, well, you shouldn't think this because logically this. And you're like, all right, I understand logically. Well, okay, first of all, I understand logically how those things can be incongruent. But as a five-year-old, like, yeah, maybe just let her feel those big feelings and be like, that does suck. That sounds like it was really hard for you. Mm -hmm. Feel the way you need to feel. And then later on you can go and explain, like, She's an outsider, blah, blah, Um, In terms of, like, okay, her and femininity, I think that Aunt Alexandra, while, like, okay, so gender norms, as we know, are trash. But, um, yeah, can be trash. I think there is a point in that Scout, in the end, Scout will have to learn to navigate that world. Like, that's not exactly an option she has in the 1930s. So that is something that Atticus wasn't able to provide her with and wasn't really prepared to face. Like, he wasn't thinking about that at all. And he is... I don't want to say absent. I think it's fair to say that he is absent. Like, he's distracted. He's got other shit going on. I'm not saying it's more or less important, but yeah. But also, I think also, though, that's maybe a different, like, kind of community norm is that the Mm -hmm. other adults are trusted to look after them. Like, they go over to the neighbors all the time. Yeah. You know, um, that's all my questions. Um, Awesome. I have one more. My last question is the title, What Do You Think It Means to Kill a Mockingbird? They do discuss this in the book. They say that it's a sin to kill a mockingbird because Mm -hmm. mockingbirds, I guess, are like the angel babies of birds. (laughs) Yeah. Because they don't do anything but sing, I guess. They don't like pester people. Um, So they're saying it's a sin to kill something so innocent and that only provides good things for them. And at the very end, I think Atticus says something and Scout says it's like to kill a mockingbird. And I think they were talking about if it were if they were to like hurt Atticus, that would be like killing a mockingbird because um, I guess he's a figure that only provides good things for the community. I think. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the literary question of this whole book, I can tie it could tie in a bit to like how Scout sees people as obstacles, but then learns that there's like actually a lot more depth to them. I don't know. What do you think? I interpreted it as coming of age, and like that's what it represents. Because to kill a mockingbird 
is to kill innocence and or to grow up to learn hardships about the mm. world. I think you especially see that when something where you, you see a lot of transformation for Jem mm-hmm. from the lens of Scout. But once the trial goes through and Tom Robinson is uh, convicted as guilty, yeah, Jem runs out and is like crying and is very frustrated. This is, yeah, no, this is another example of Atticus just like over articulating mm. an emotion. Like, I don't think leaving space for the big emotion of like, his yeah. son is frustrated because the world is unfair and, like, he just saw fucking racism at yeah. its finest as this innocent man. Who, and everyone knows that he's innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, get convicted. Yeah, basically, Atticus tells him, he's like, yes, it's frustrating. This is just the way the world is. And so, mm-hmm. to me, that speaks to To Kill a Mockingbird. It's the most innocent creature, but it does still happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it summarizes, again, like, this whole arc of this story because you... You could say that the story is about a girl who watches the trial of, like, a, a black man falsely convict, convicted yeah. of rape. You could say that that's what that is, but I would say it really is, like, a vignette-style story where that is one piece. But, like, that comes in maybe, like, two-thirds of the way in. And then the rest mm-hmm. is all these other mini-stories. And it's maybe not as, like, drama-heavy, but each of them, like, you're le- they're learning stuff along the way. Yeah. So To Kill a Mockingbird summarizes, like... In each of these things, it's like what what these kids are learning. Okay, man, you bring the big brain today. Oh, you, you know what? Did you would? I didn't yeah. think. No, I really didn't. But you know what? Ah. Uh. Um. But that being said, do we want to go into intended takeaways and judgments? Yes. All right, here we are. Ooh. Okay, so um, I will start us off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think an intended takeaway is. Like, I will be talking about these big themes of learning, compassion as, like, coming of age and learning the, like, you know, the other side to every coin and all that stuff. Um, so that is Scout learning to be, like, much more, much more of a critical thinker and to see that things are not so simple. Um, at the same time, I also feel like this book is touted as very much being, like, anti-racist and, like, or teaching kids to have, just, like, learn about racism. However, I would argue that it's not that great of an anti-racist text necessarily yeah um because in this trial it's like from the reader's perspective it's very obvious it's very clear that tom robinson did not commit the crime because atticus points out so that like the victim of the rape um yula may that her injuries don't match up with what tom would be capable of because he has an arm that like can't move um and that the testimonies don't like don't match up and he like very strongly implies that um the father yule is the one who is abusing um yula may yeah and that they made up the story because Yula May like tried to tempt, um, seduce. Tried, yeah, tried well, to she seduce was a, she was attracted to Tom. Yeah, she was attracted, and she tried to like make a move on him. Yeah, um, and then the dad saw, and then was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna beat you and, senseless." Um, yeah, and and they do you know they talk about all this stuff about how in this cross examination they refer to Tom Robinson as boy, and they talk to him like very disrespectfully, and that makes mm-hmm. Dill very upset. And well, they say like, if you weren't guilty, why did you run? And he's like, well, I'm a black man, and in this situation, that's the only way I could live. Like, I was not gonna be gonna survive if I stayed. Yeah. Um, he was trying to do everything right, and still like it all came against him, and he like lost the trial and eventually lost his life so that is like very upsetting however it's still like you know it like it goes against like the trial goes against him it's more showing this is how the world works um and then everybody like the miss body and the others are like but it was really kind of a victory because the jury took so long to like convict him and yeah we like he swayed one mind and blah 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 and i was like all right i see how that's 
progress. Reading it today, it's like reading it today, you're just more. not surprised. You're like, we need to go. Yeah, that sounds right. We need to push a little further. Um, yeah. And there was that moment. So when Calpurnia took um, Scout and Jim to church, they mentioned that like the the other black people in the church were like letting them have the best seats, you know. Um, yeah. And on the way home, Scout is asking Calpurnia, "Why do you talk like that with them?" And like you talk proper, quote unquote, with us. Um, and then they talk about how like the black people don't know how to speak proper, and it's like whoa. Um, so it's very much implying that the way that white people talk is the correct way to talk. Yeah. Um, I mean, to, for me, that didn't really bother me. Yeah. Because I was like, again, we're getting this through the lens of mm-hmm. of this kid. Like, she also is offended when people say that they love black people, and she's like, yeah. that's an insult. That's an insult on our honor. So I, I was a little more forgiving of that because I was like, I, but I think it's also because I'm coming at it from like, I'm reading this, and I know that mm-hmm. that's biased language to say like, and we're talking normal, and they're talking the weird yeah. way. So mm-hmm. I just assumed that it was like more character driven than it was like yeah the author but i don't know because i well i guess one of my other vague questions was like is this autobiographical in any like is harper lee supposed to be scout yeah it is that is in the wikipedia too is that Mm -hmm. um it's based on like her time and like something she witnessed as a kid but i also wanted to mention in that scene is that calpurnia is like agreeing with scout like they're on the same page about this and then when um scout and jeb and dill go to the trial they actually sit in the same section as um black people and yeah. black people in that section give up their seats for them um yeah. as like white well, people and, and I, I think and you could argue it's because they're kids but um no I no no I it's just... straight up because they're white and like yeah like, black people know that that's what i have to do yeah but i think it's like even then like i assume that calpurnia is like agreeing with scout because she's not She's probably just like, it's not my job to teach you to, that, like, what you just said mm-hmm. is fucking racist. I'm just going to yeah. agree with you and let you know that, like, the way that you said it. I saw Calpurnia as just, like, playing the game and being like, all right, well, Play we're going to tackle. Game. Yeah, we're going to tackle, yeah. like, this conversation, but I don't have time to teach you that what you just said, like, the language sure. you use is blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'm being too forgiving, but I do understand mm-hmm. what you mean. Like, I agree. Everything that is presented is microaggressions and yes. not okay. But I think I was more inclined to see it as a character-driven thing mm-hmm. rather than the author, but I could be wrong. But I, so sure. I understand what you mean. As a whole, just, yeah, just, like, saying that, like, this is more perpetuating the norm at the time, and it pushes back maybe a little bit, but it's still, I would say, not as um, anti-racist of a text. Oh, yeah, no, I, I don't... want it to be. <laughs> and as I, I definitely is not as I remember it. I remember thinking, like, wow, this was a great, like, I didn't have the words, but, like, anti-racist example of literature... As a high school, as a freshman, and looking back now, I'm like, oh, nope. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think this is anti-racist text. I think it's a mm-hmm. text that talks about racism, but also I think anti-racist text has really only come into, like, been given a name and been given a category in the last, like, 10 years. And mm-hmm. so I think before that, when this book was still existing and very popular, I think it was, a again, presented as, here's a text about racism. Mm-hmm. And I think now, since we have that term, anti-racist text, I don't think anyone is using it, this as an example. I guess uh, when you say anti-racist text, are you talking about just, like, fiction pieces? Just because this is what, just what came to mind was the writings yeah. of, like, Martin Luther King, James Baldwin, Bell Hooks, etc., yeah. etc., which I've been writing for, like, almost a century at this point. Yeah. Well, no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. not saying that, like, anti-racist texts haven't been in existence, but the term right. anti-racist text, and which is books that are combating racism and not just talking mm-hmm. about racism, like, that label, mm-hmm. I don't think 
at least in my experience and like my communities and like discussions that I had, mm-hmm. we weren't using anti-racist, sure. the word anti-racist until maybe like, even okay. for me, probably like two or three years ago. And now, and I think like anti-racism is like a trendy topic now, not to say yeah. that it shouldn't be pop. It like, it shouldn't yeah. be. So we're, ta- we're talking more about like the term of it. Yes. They're used to, I think before people were just like, oh, they thought it was uh, books about racism and anti-racist texts were synonymous and they didn't yeah. see the distinction. And mm-hmm. now I think we're actually saying like that yeah. there is a difference. I think that, yeah, and you and I have encountered that a lot in the books we've chosen, like what comes to mind, and not necessarily in terms of anti-racism, but is Flowers for Algernon, in mm-hmm. which we saw a lot of examples like of ableism, but we didn't necessarily see yeah, examples of like anti-ableism. I don't know what that would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah, I think we've we've... We've even, in this podcast, have started to, like, have been learning how to distinguish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, I'm done. <laughs> that took a lot out of me. Uh, Alright, what I'm would done. you rate this out of 10? Uh, okay, and when I looked on Goodreads, in the past, I had put this at 5 stars. And now I'm going to give it 5 out of 10. Wow. Because... Well, first, yeah, first of all, it just made me angry. Second of all, um, as a story, it's a little hard to, it's engaging. Like, I, it wasn't boring, but it was really long. Yeah. Um, because the first few words, of, like, the first sentence is talking about how Jim Brooke was when she was 13. And we were thinking about how that came about. And then she tells this 400-page long story. It's only, like, 200 pages, but, um... It's really long. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree. Like, I was listening to it, and I was just like... I think I was, like, 30%, 30% in. I was like, what are we even talking about at this yeah. point? It's, I think um, I would rate it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Because once after I read it and I realized that it was in this vignette-style structure, Yeah. I was much more, like, appreciative. Because mm-hmm. when I first started, I was like, oh, I know, the, I know that the storyline is this trial with this mm-hmm. uh, falsely accused black man about rape. And I, so I was just waiting for it, and I was like, oh my god, it's not here until the two-thirds of the way in, but I re- it's because it's not really about that. It's, like, that is one of the mm-hmm. major vignettes that they have, but it, yeah. it's really just about these mini-stories. So yeah. I think if I were to go back and listen to it a freaking fourth time, <laughs> I, I don't think I would have a problem with it, because I do, I like yeah. these little mini-stories that we get, so I would rate it... Mm-hmm. Six out of ten. It's a well-constructed story, as you mentioned. And while I do think it could be shorter, I think that a lot of the none of the, none of the vignettes are like pointless, and it does give the mood of that sleepy, hot southern town. Yeah. Um, it's very like vibes. Uh, the vibes. It's very vibes. And again, I'm also viewing it now through the lens of like 2022. Yeah. As opposed to sleepy old 2012, whenever no 2010 when I read it. Oh. Do you have a book that you would recommend? Because I originally had one, and I'm not. I'm changing it. Mm-hmm. I'm really set on this, like, mini I story think. structure. I know yeah. I've said it a billion times. So, Wait, I don't mind. I don't mind. And I feel like you're going to say the same one. <laughs> what do you, you can go first. I don't think we're going to say the same one. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Disha Filia, which we just read the book. No, one. but <gasps> I, I see it. Or just, yeah, quick description. Um... Short story anthology all about... Intersection of, like, feminism religion and religion. And, and... Yeah, religion, racism, black women, queer narratives, etc. It's great. 
I think that's a good one. I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, short story anthologies because we are just following one character. Honestly, when I was looking at it, I don't even know if this is a book I would recommend, but it's another book that I'm thinking, okay, it, it does this, it does the same style for the most part, mm-hmm. and that's The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Like, oh, okay. I don't even remember what I rated that one, but do you see, like, you get this character, and then he just has all these experiences, and, like... Yeah. And I, I think it is that, like, coming-of-age thing, and then The Perks of Being a Wallflower, it, there really isn't climax-based through lines. It's more just, like, you have this time, and this is what happens in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an example. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I can't yeah. find the vibe. I caught a vibe, but I didn't cut it. I didn't catch it. <laughs> so I'm not going to full on recommend, but I think tangentially, The Perks of Being a Wallfire, Wallflower by Stephen Chwatsky, um is my, is in the same vein. Uh-huh. And then I would recommend the movie Pollyanna because I think that okay, also cool. functions very similarly. Um, what are we currently reading? I am reading nothing besides Animorphs, um, which feels nice. great because with the move and everything. You're like, I don't got to I read. needed a break. I've been watching TV and I will tell you about that instead. I will. I've been watching 911 <laughs> mm-hmm. and I've been watching Young Justice, the new season, um, which is unhinging me. <laughs> it's so good, but it's just off the walls. I don't know what's happening. What about you? Um, also reading Animorphs, still haven't finished Noises Off. Or Blood on the Books or Where the Powells Play. Those are like two plays that I stopped in the middle of. And then I just recently started listening to Sorry Not Sorry by Nea Rivera, who is the one, one of the many strange anomalies of the Glee cast who like experienced tragedy. Wow. So she's the one who was on a boat, then drowned and died. Um, but I'm listening to her autobiography. Anyways, um... Mm. And what have you read since last time? Since last time. Okay, I finished Pin by Matt Johnson on the 8th, so I don't know if I mentioned that last time. I've also finished Home is Not a Country by Sophia Alcio, The Blood of Olympus by Rick Riordan, um, Secret mm-hmm. Method Church Ladies by Disha Filia, and that's it! Nice! More than last time, at least. Hey, man, I think, like I said, yeah, these last two months have just been chaos. I'm yeah. like, I'm hoping this summer, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to read, but we shall see if that gets done. Yeah. We will just... And wait, did we... We saw each other between this recording and last recording. So we I did. finished Hope is Not a Country when you we were together. I was right yes. next to you when I finished it. We were physically near each other. We were cuddling. We're cuddling. We're cuddling. We're cuddling. <laughs> um, last time, I finished Inside Story by Dara Marks, which was a book for class. Uh, Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, Mm. The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, and then Edith Can Shoot Things and Hit Them by Ray A. Pamatmat, or something like that. Cool. Um, I would recommend Year of Yes and Edith Can Shoot Things and Hit Them. I think those are two excellent books. I would recommend Home is Not a Country, and as we mentioned, The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Woo! Woo! That being said, if you have any desire to contact us, we have an email and we have a Twitter. Yeah, the email is readingnotreading at gmail.com. R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. 
Twitter is at Red Nut Breed Pod, at sign R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Ooh, tweet! Excellent. Tweet, tweet. Um, we also have a bookshop affiliate link, which is in our episode descriptions. Bookshop is a organization that supports independently owned bookstores. And if you buy from them, commissions go to those bookstores. And then if you use our affiliate links, some of that commission goes to us, which helps us keep the lights on in ye old podcast house. And believe it or not, we mm. actually do spend money. The expenditures aren't that great, aren't like, <laughs> sizable, but we are spending money on y'all. So yeah, you're welcome. We can spend money. on. That's us, how much we care know. about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you go to Bookshop, you can look at books that we've recommended in the past, books we yeah. are currently wishing to... Watching for. Yeah, yearning for. And yes. um, all of the books that we've read in past seasons. Yes. So. If you want that. If you truly desire yeah, such a thing. Yeah, if you want to be a true fan. <laughs> and then if you want to be an even truer fan, you can also visit our website, which is in the episode description, to listen to any of our back catalog. And it yeah. has the... Also has direct links to our bookshop our and our Twitter. So and our things. bonus episodes. Oh, yes. And our bonus episodes. You can also listen to them there where we yeah. read uh, Animorphs. Um, and next month, join us when we discuss The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. That all being said. We're done. <laughs> we're done now. So it's uh, we're, we're, we're done. We're done. Peace out. Thanks. Bye. Peace out, Girl Scout. Scout. <laughs> <laughs>